We're, we're looking at a book in the Bible called Galatians. So if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to that. It's in the, in the New Testament, which is the um, Bible's in two parts, Old Testament New Testament. The New Testament was written after Jesus came. And um, we're looking at a book called Galatians, which was written by the Apostle Paul. Now this, this letter of Paul's was probably the first letter he wrote. Uh, he probably wrote it about 15 years after coming to know Jesus. And he was a pretty angry man when he wrote it. And um, the reason why, I explained in detail last week, well, more detail than you're going to get this week. So if you want to find out the detail, listen to the podcast of last week. But the reason why Paul had to write this letter was because after he had been in this place called Galatia, which is probably approximately modern-day Turkey, he had um, told the people of the area about Jesus. Numbers of them had come to know Jesus. And so what he would do is gather them into communities, which we call churches, and, um, and then he would move on. And so he left these churches in Galatia. And not too long after he'd moved on, some other people came from Jerusalem who were Jewish converts. Okay? So they were Jews, but they had converted to Christianity. They were Jews who had accepted Jesus as their Messiah, but they hadn't quite understood the message. Here's what I mean. Paul had gone to Galatia and he'd preached the very, very simple gospel message. The gospel message that God, out of love, no other motive, has given his one and only son, Jesus. And this Jesus has given himself up for our sins so that we might be rescued from the power of darkness and from the power of sin. It's a simple, simple message. That after, after giving himself on the cross, this Jesus rose again from the dead and is alive forevermore. And will welcome anyone who will come to him on the grounds of simple faith and trust and will turn away from their sins. It's a really simple message. These Galatians had received this message with joy. They'd received forgiveness of sins. Their hearts had been lifted out of condemnation and heaviness. They've received the Holy Spirit, which is what happens when you become a Christian. God gives you his Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you. And they enjoyed the miraculous lifestyle of living in the Holy Spirit. They were having a wonderful time. And then these Jews came along from Jerusalem, and they said, okay, so you believe in Jesus, great, we believe in Jesus too, uh, but we've noticed a few things about you. <laughs> Don't ask me how they noticed the first thing, but uh, no, you're not circumcised. Um, they noticed that, I don't know how, but they noticed that. Um, maybe they did some sort of, I don't know, sports day, badminton thing, and after the showers, I don't know. But they noticed, someone really like that, okay. Uh, you, yeah, <laughs> you, you're in all conversations. Anyway, you, you, guys, you guys aren't circumcised. And then they noticed, you're not eating, you're, you're eating stuff you shouldn't be eating. You're eating stuff that's against the law of Moses. And these Galatian Christians were like, well, we're not Jews. The law of Moses was given to the Jews. We're not Jews. And they're like, hold on a minute. Jews, the Jews are God's people. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. So it's great that you've accepted Jesus, but you need to realise, if you want to be part of the people of God, you've got to be a Jew. And this really rocked the Galatians. And they began to go through the rite of circumcision and live their life under the Jewish law. Paul gets wind of it and he can't believe 
what they've done. He can't believe it. Because fundamentally, what's happened is, is that through this message by these Jewish people, the sufficiency of what Jesus has done has been completely undermined. Uh, reading between the lines, what you're saying is this. It's good what Jesus has done, but it's not enough. You need to add to it in some way if you really want to be saved. Now, back in these days, it was, the Jew-Gentile thing was massive, a huge, huge thing. For us, it's not so huge now. We've come through on that. We recognise that Gentiles can become saved, through, saved as well through Jesus, just as Jews can, and don't have to become Jewish. But you know what? In different ways... Things can creep into your life as a Christian that very subtly start kind of adding to the message. And as you do so, what you find is this, is that you kind of get heavier and heavier and heavier and you think it's not like it was. It's changed. When I first came to know Jesus, there was a joy, there was a brightness, there was a lightness, there was a sense of sins forgiven, new life. Whereas now it just feels complicated joyless, heavy. And it's not often bad things that come in, but they're things that take your eyes off of Christ. Things that eclipse your view of Jesus as preeminent, Jesus as enough. And then what happens as a result is, is that you find that the power of the Holy Spirit in your life just begins to dry up because, you know, the Spirit comes with the Gospel. And the gospel is the good news about Jesus. That his work for us on the cross is completely enough. Yesterday, today and forever to make us right with God. And here's the big message of Galatians. How you start in the Christian life is how you're supposed to carry on. How do you start? You say, Jesus, I recognise I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I know I can't earn it. I believe you died for me so I could be forgiven. In that moment of faith where you just cling to Jesus, there's that, you know, he comes and lives in you by his spirit. You're forgiven. You know, God, you're born again, if you want to use that phrase. But it was a very simple exchange. I haven't got what it takes. I've, I've fallen short. You're enough for me. And you come to Christ in faith. That's how we carry on. And so this letter is really, really important, even if you're not battling with the whole Jewish-Gentile thing, it's, is Jesus enough? And so we looked last week at the opening, uh, you could call it a paragraph, you could call it a blast. <laughs> it's just really very, very strong language. We're going to pick up today in chapter 1, verse 11. Um, we're going to read to the end of chapter 1 together. It should come up, on, come up on the screen, there we go. For I would have you know, brothers, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But, big word, but, when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I didn't immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I went away into Arabia, then I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, and Cephas is Peter. 
and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing, they, they only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Father, please help me as I unpack this uh, part of your word, that life would come in people's hearts, I pray. Amen. Now, it's, in some ways, it's quite convoluted. You, you read that, you think, Paul, what, what are you doing? And then there's this strange thing in brackets, I'm not lying. <laughs> it's all a bit extreme. It's all a bit like, what is it? What, what's the problem here? The problem here is this. When these Jews have come into Galatia, and they've said, why aren't you doing it properly? And then they said, who preached the gospel to you? And they said, Paul. Yeah? At that point, these Jews are saying, Paul? Man, you've got to realise, Paul, Paul, Paul doesn't get it. And they would begin to, they began to, it seems, clearly undermine who Paul was, Paul's ministry. So a big part of this letter, at least, at least the first part, is Paul really vindicating that God really did call him. And that he's not some sort of maverick, some uh, just guy who kind of got a few ideas, pulled them together and just is going around the Mediterranean world preaching this strange message. So really Paul's vindicating himself because if, if he's not the real thing, then what's this message he's preaching? So he has to vindicate himself in order to vindicate the gospel. So that's going on there too. So we're going to look at those two things together and see some beautiful stuff as we do that. Firstly, I love this. Verse 11. I would have you know, brothers, the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. What's he saying there? He's probably saying two things. The first thing he's saying is this. This message, Christ crucified for our sins, doesn't originate in someone's head somewhere. It wasn't that someone was in a cave somewhere and had this little moment. It's not, it's not man's message. It did not originate in any man or woman. It came from God. It's not an idea among many. Oh, well, there's this idea, this spiritual path, this idea, that idea. And then there's this one about Jesus. Paul said, no, it's not that. There's a lot of ideas out there. There's a lot of belief systems out there. He said, no, no, no. It's not according to man. It's completely different. It's a God thing. This message of God's only son coming to the earth to die for us, that, that, that's something that God planned from eternity, as we were singing about earlier. God does the work. God fixes the problem. God gets the glory. Yeah? Yeah? Really important. God does the work. God fixes the problem. God gets the glory. Every other belief system or spiritual path is about what I do or what I don't do. I must either abstain from lots of things or start doing lots of things or both. And then maybe God will say, you're in. So I've got to do lots of things. I've got to try and fix the problem. And then maybe, who knows, it will go in the scales and maybe I'll make it. It's not the gospel. That is not the gospel. The gospel is, God does the work. God fixes the problem. God welcomes us into this amazing thing he's done. God gets the glory. Every grounds for my boasting, that I think I'm somehow spiritual, or somehow a bit righteous, or at least I'm a better than so and so, all of that gets stripped away in the gospel. Okay? And I'm just amazed by Jesus. Yeah? So I'm not standing up here preaching today because I'm the most holy guy around. 
That's not why I'm here. It's not like I'm the guru. It's not like that. Okay? What it is, is this. Is that we are a community of people. Those of us that are part of Revelation Church. We are a community of people that have been saved by the grace of God. We are a community of people who have realised, oh, we cannot get ourselves out of the fix we are in. We cannot fix ourselves. We cannot reconcile ourselves to God. We cannot climb the ladder to heaven. No matter how many good things we try and do, we will fail hopelessly. But you know what? God has done it for us. God has come down and rescued us. And we've accepted that. As a result, we do not think we are more holy or righteous than anyone else around us. In fact, maybe we must be worse because we must be worse than everyone else around us because um, we've realised, man, we really need help. We really need forgiveness. We really do. There are areas of our lives that are so shameful, areas of our hearts and minds that are so dark, we can't fix ourselves. We need mercy, we need grace, we need Jesus. That's the gospel. That's how we start, that's, that's how I live today, that's how I live tomorrow, that's how I'm going to be living in 10 years' time. I'm going to be received into glory. Why? Because I'm not getting to glory on my own righteousness. I'm getting to glory on Christ's righteousness, and he is always perfectly righteous. That's the gospel. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> Enough to make you want to be happy almost. <laughs> see, and Paul is looking to defend this. It's not according to man. It's not some little idea that someone's had somewhere. It's a completely different thing. As a result, I get lifted out of myself. Oh, this sounds nice. Into something, someone much greater. I get delivered from the curse of self-obsession, self-grandeur. Self-indulgence, self-centeredness. I get delivered from the curse of worshipping and depending on other people to fill me up or make me whole. I've been made complete in Christ. That is freedom. That is rescue. That is deliverance. I no longer have to start looking to other people to save me. Even if I'm not saying that I'm doing that. It's not, I might not use that language, but if I'm living the kind of life where I constantly need people to give me some acclaim or praise, I'm functionally looking to that person to save me. Yeah? If you can just say one more nice thing, then I'll feel okay. Fundamentally, I'm looking to you to save me. Complete me. Make me whole. I've been delivered and rescued from that. On what grounds? In Christ, God has completely welcomed me. I'm part of his family. Accepted. Belonging. Adopted. Empowered. Predestined. Wow, this is the message. This is why we are so excited about it. So, it's not according to man. And then he goes on and he starts telling his story. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend ages on it, because in some senses, I think most of us here that are believers, we're cool with Paul. We don't think he's some maverick that went around. We don't know he wrote half the New Testament. Respect. Okay? So I'm not going to spend ages on that. Maybe you're here as a guest, someone who doesn't believe in Jesus at this point, or you're not quite sure where you're at, so I'm going to spend a little bit of time just to help you understand something perhaps of what Paul went through for the sake of Christ, because it actually adds massive credibility to who he is and to what he wrote. Um, Okay. Paul was one of the original apostles. There There were 12 and then, and then Paul refers to himself as part of that crowd, but he says, it's, it's a bit like I was born at the wrong time. Because I didn't really know Jesus before he was crucified. But after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, actually when I hated Jesus and hated this thing called the church, the risen Lord Jesus appeared to me on the road to Damascus. You heard the saying, Damascus experience. He appeared to me on the road to Damascus and he completely turned my life upside down. 
And he called me to be an apostle. Now these original apostles, part of what they did, part of what their role was from Jesus directly, was to lay a foundation of Christian belief that would be built on for the all generations to come until Jesus returns. A foundation not to be tampered with, not to be taken apart, not to be criticised, added to, subtracted from. It, it, Jesus himself said to the apostles, the Holy Spirit's going to come, he's going to remind you of everything I've said to you, so you're going you're to be able to write it down accurately, and it's going to be true, and a plumb line thing to build on. Okay? So Paul was part of that, that's what he was called to. So it's vitally important that we understand that Paul really was an apostle, and isn't some kind of pretender. Very, very important. Now look at the way he talks about himself. He says, uh, he says you, you know what my former life was like. I hated the church. I hated Christians. He felt it was an outrageous thing. An outrageous, outrageous thing that there were these people called Christians who were somehow claiming that the God of the Jews, the God of the Old Testament, had sent the Messiah and this Messiah had been crucified on a, on a, on a, on a bit of wood. Why? Because the Old Testament teaches, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So how can you say the Messiah, this cursed one is a Messiah? Because he didn't understand it. He didn't get the gospel. He just thought it was outrageous, blasphemous, terrible. Not understanding the Messiah became a curse for us because we're already under a curse. And through him being a curse for us, we get redeemed from that and we can be blessed. Yeah, it's an exchange. He didn't see it. He hated it. He thought it was outrageous. So he said he was zealous for Judaism. He was, he was the star of the class. You know, anyone here was the star of the class as kids? Ooh, come on, there's always... I can see them going, no, no, you were the star. Any others? Yeah, a few other there. Yeah, a few eyebrows. Joel? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, Paul was the star. He was, listen to the way he puts it. He says, um, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. He was the star of the class. He, he taught under Gamaliel, in, who, was a, who was a really respected uh, rabbinic teacher. He was a Pharisee, a young, zealous Pharisee. He, was, he, was looked, he, was be, he would have been being looked to as a future bright star of Phariseeism and Judaism. He understands the Jewish law. He, he probably would have known whole huge chunks of the Old Testament off by heart. Okay? And he's a zealous man as well, a passionate man by temperament, a volcanic man a strong natural born leader he wants him to know, this is what I like this is what I was like, okay, and then verse 15, but so here's this impressive man the kind of person you would never say you'd never put him on your prayer list, because there's no way he's going to become a Christian, all the odds are stacked against it, but but God Verse 15, but listen to how he describes his salvation. When he, number one, he who had set me apart before I was born. Paul understood. It wasn't the case of God looking down thinking, look at that Paul character, he's causing a lot of trouble. How are we going to get him out? He's really hurting a lot of my people. We're going to have to save him. It's not what it was like. Before I was born, this man was set apart in the heart of God. The Bible refers to our salvation as something God decides in his heart before we're even born. It's mysterious. I I don't understand the mechanics of how it works, but it's glorious. Because it means my salvation is no accident. Which is really great when I'm having bad days. You know those days where you see yourself in a way you never thought you'd see it? You think, oh no, did I just do that? Did I just say that? Was that me? And you're tempted to just think, I've got to give this thing up. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, 
And then you realize, hold on. God knows me inside out. He has no illusions about me. He's got no... When I did that, he wasn't thinking, shock horror, if I'd known, I wouldn't have saved him. Yeah? I'm not pretending it doesn't break his heart, but he knows me. And he chose to reveal Christ to me. That's the grace of God. Wow. That's the grace of God. So, set apart from before I was born, first thing, who called me by his grace... Remember last week, that oi you moment? We've all had our oi you moment, haven't we? Where we suddenly get it, the penny dropped. What is that? When we suddenly get it, oh Jesus, oh yeah, of course, what was I thinking? And we give our life to him and turn away from our sins. What is going on there? God is calling you by his grace. By his undeserved favour, he's saying, oh man, hey, <laughs> hello, oh yeah. Wakes you up. God calling you by his grace. Maybe God's going to do that some of you today. Suddenly you'll get it. Oh, it's not about being religious. Oh, it's just it's not about what I can do. Oh, it's about what God has done for me in Jesus. Lord, receive me. Set me apart from before I was born. Called me by his grace. Was pleased. Was pleased to reveal his son in me. This is beautiful. God was pleased to reveal his son in Paul. Paul has imprisoned Christian believers. He may have killed some. We know that when Stephen, a beautiful saint, was martyred, stoned to death, he was looking after the coats of those who were taking their coats off to stone him. The father was pleased to reveal his son in this man's life. What is that? What is that? That is a sovereign God who is never threatened by our worst behaviour and is able to turn everything around for good. Paul, I'm going to make you, I'm going to turn you into a trophy of grace. And I'll make you the most radical man who ever lived. And he was. He became an extraordinary man. He most likely lost his wife. Because Pharisees were, to be a Pharisee you have to be married. But we know he was single. And so in Philippians 3 where he talks about losing all things. He most likely lost his wife. She most likely left him because of his conversion. He was attacked and mobbed, harangued around the Mediterranean by Jews who hated his preaching. He experienced shipwrecks, he experienced stonings, he he was left for dead. He was beaten with rods. I mean, the man lost everything for Christ. But there's this joy, there's this peace, there's this glory. What is it? He gets the gospel. He gets the gospel and he will not be moved from it. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then there's this fourth thing where he says, he did all these things with pleased to reveal his son in me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Now, Paul had a specific calling from God. Before that time, everyone was preaching the gospel to Jews. No one really preached the Gentiles much. Maybe a few kind of, uh, I don't know, a few sort of people that were a bit unusual. But no one really went for it like Paul did. But Jesus commissioned him in a very powerful way. You're going to preach to the Gentiles, non-Jews, us mostly. And you're really going to suffer as a result. Now, we may not, we, those of us that are Christians may have not been called by Jesus in exactly the same way. Obviously, we were called to, all called to share the gospel. But the point is this. When he sets you apart from before you are born, and then calls you by his grace, and then is pleased to reveal his son in you, he then sets you apart for purpose. There's an, there is a purpose on your life if Jesus has called you. He's called, he has stuff for you. He has a place for you in his body, the church. He has gifted you with gifts to, to, to serve and be used by him. He's got good things for you. 
This is a beautiful example, a beautiful description of what it means to be saved. And then he goes and he talks about how he didn't really connect much with the Jerusalem apostles. Now the reason he's saying that, he's basically saying this, he's saying, I want, I want you to know in Galatia, I was called by Jesus directly, no one even taught me the gospel, the risen Lord Jesus revealed the gospel into my heart directly. I didn't go and learn it off Peter and then learn it off James. No, I, I, I got it. I understood it. And then I briefly met those guys for a couple of weeks. And I got on with what Jesus had called me to do. And he wants them to know, I'm not some sort of a subservient apostle. I'm not just kind of, I don't know, some sort of second class. Jesus has called me. You can trust what I bring to you. And then the final thing, I want to just end on this now, because it's very, very lovely. Is that he says, um, the churches of Judea... I didn't meet them, they didn't know me, but they heard something. Here's what they heard. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. They were amazed. The Christians in Judea were terrified of Paul. Terrified. And then the word started getting around, he's got saved. And it says this, they glorified God because of me. When Jesus changes you, you become something different and those around you glorify God because of you. So she once used to sleep around but is now faithful to her husband and helping others trapped in the same sin and we glorify God because of her. That sort of thing. He, he who once used to worship his belly and think only of himself is now a key player in the food bank team and we're glorifying God because of him. See, God's, God's changed the person. They who used to mock and deride Christians as being mindless fools now spend their time defending the faith and reaching intellectuals for Jesus and we are glorifying God because of them. You see, when Jesus changes you from the inside out, the result is God gets the glory. Because those looking on who get it will say, no one else could have done it. That is not self-help. <laughs> that is not turning over a new leaf. That is not fixing it and making it look good and putting on a really big plastic smile. That is, what is that? What has happened? That's transformation from the inside out. It's hard to argue against that. It's very different from pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Because you see, if, if that's the message, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, then guess what? You're really proud. You've got something to boast about, haven't you? Oh, look what I've done. If you're a true Christian, you've got one boast, his name is Jesus. He's your only boast, he's your only confidence. That's why we sing about him, dance about him, talk about him, because God has made him to be our wisdom, our righteousness, our holiness, our everything that we lacked. Did you used to be bitter, but now you forgive? Did you used to steal, but now you give? Did you used to pretend, but now you're true? Did you used to give up? But now you press through. It's really bad timing. It's really bad timing. Did you used to be hard? But now you're tender. Were you once trapped in debt? But now you're a lender. Did you used to put down? But now you build up. Did you used to live empty? But now you're filled up. And yes, that rhymed. What has God done? What are you that you weren't because of Christ? 
as I was preparing this, I just thought, I want to just end by having just a moment now where, where we're sitting, we have the opportunity to say, I used to, but now. Very short sentence. Just where you are, as you feel the freedom, as you feel quickened by the Holy Spirit, just to say, I used to, but now. Now, let me just make something clear. As we're saying this, what we're not pretending for a moment, those of us here that are Christians, is that we're all fixed up and perfect. We're all a work in progress. There are things God is still working on. There's things that God will still bring up that we never even knew were there. So don't get the wrong idea. But we're not what we were by the gospel. So I used to, but now. Let's just do that for a moment. So just, someone have to be bold and just go first and then we'll get a nice little flow going. And uh, we'll just be, just be good to just hear what God has done. And we'll glorify God together and break bread and sing some songs. Uh, tormented in my mind and now I know peace in my mind grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever Amen Maybe some of you here that you just, you know, you just want to give your life to Christ. And I'm going to just, I want to pray a prayer. And if you want to give your life to Christ, you just pray that prayer after me. And if you mean it, you're sincere, you're earnest, he will hear your prayer. The Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved, will be rescued. You should know by hearing this message that it's not complicated. You know, it's not stuff for you to do. The Lord simply calls you to turn to him. Turn away from everything else that's dark and nonsense and futile and turn to him and cling to him. He will make you right. So if you want to do that, you just pray this prayer. Dear God, I want to be able to call you Father. I've heard this message today. And I want to follow Jesus. Jesus, I believe you gave yourself for my sins. So that I could be rescued. Forgiven. And made brand new. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I submit my life to you. I want to recognise that it's not about me, but it's all about you. And find fullness of life in you. So please forgive me for my sins. And please welcome me into your family. Thank you that you love me. And thank you that you've done all the work to save me. And I welcome you into every part of my life. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer, then just God, and you meant it, I tell you, God heard you. You will even probably know now in your heart, you think something's changed. God's heard your prayer. And I'd love to be able to pray with you. Come and find me at any point today. Just come and find me and let me know. We'll just 
stand together, I can encourage you, we can just talk about the joy of following Jesus together.